Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. Welcome. The month of May, by the way, is the month where Catholics, it's devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We dedicate it to the month of Our Lady. And it's uh, the month of May is always part of the Easter season, the 50 days that we celebrate in the sacred liturgy. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And then there's also a time of waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so the celebration of, of Mary as a Marian month, it fits well with the liturgical celebrations of Easter and Pentecost. As uh, we could probably recall, Mary's great joy in her son's victory over death, as well as her presence with the apostles in the upper room, prayerfully awaiting the descent of the Holy Spirit, her, her spouse at Pentecost. So, um, Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. Hey, also, one, hey Jess. Yeah. No, I just wanted to tell you that May is also, you know, May 13th, correct? What is it, Mother's Day? <laughs> no, that's the next day, uh, the 14th this year. But it does fall on Mother's Day sometimes, but that's also the Fatima day right oh that's right uh, may 13th and uh and the reason why i know that jess is because that's my birthday (laughs) ah (laughs) well then you you would know that yes (laughs) that's good (laughs) hey we got a good article and a good topic we want we want to spend the rest of the show talking about but before i do i just want to just remind people i want to invite those that want to go to the holy land what uh what many people call the fifth gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke, Jan, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the trip to the Holy Land. I am going October 6th to the 16th. I'm going with Father Dave Nix. If uh, you want to go to the Holy Land, go to my website, jesseromero.com, and the flyer is on the front page. Just click on the flyer, uh, take a look at it, and uh, sign up if you want to go, if you want to hang out for nine days and walk where God actually walked. And you'll see the oldest Catholic churches on planet Earth. In fact, it's going to the Holy Land that'll make you extremely proud to be Catholic because you'll say, man, this is ground zero here. This is where it all started. And I don't see Calvary Chapel here. I don't see the Southern Baptist Church here. I don't see the, the uh, you know, the, the uh, Victory Outreach out here. What do you see in the Holy Land? One ancient Catholic church after another. You can't go to the Holy Land and not walk out of there and say, yep, <laughs> that's the church Jesus started. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a friend. Well, I, both of these guys are my friends, actually. Kennedy Hall. In fact, I, I forwarded his last book, the the book the, the book before this one. Um, he wrote a book. It's uh, it's basically in defense of. Let me see what's the title of the name. It's called SSPX: The Defense. Kennedy Hall. Forward, there you go. Forward by uh, Father Charles Murr, another friend of mine. Uh, both these guys are very thoughtful Catholics, very good writers, and Orthodox as well. I mean, they love the, they love the church, and they love all things Catholic. And the article is called "Priest Expert on Freemasonry." That's Father Charles Murr. By the way, he's on with Terry every Monday. <clears throat> Says Vatican cardinals spread disinformation about SSPX. Well, now that we know about the infiltration of Freemasonry, which is not a secret anymore. Uh, Taylor Marshall documented it very well. The Alta Vendita documented it very well. 
other documents that we've intercepted in the Catholic Church. Uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe warned us about this in 1917. Nobody with a rational mind doubts that we've been infiltrated by Freemasons. Nobody. Mm -hmm. And so the article says... Father Charles Murr, again, another, another friend of the show and another thoughtful Catholic priest who's retired from the, he's retired from the Diocese of New York. Uh, he was a, in the, from the Novus Ordo Mass. Novus Ordo, he was a diocesan priest. And uh, since he's been retired, I know he, all he does is a Latin Mass. He just, has, he just has a love for it and preference for it. So it says, Father Charles Murr, a close friend of both Sister Pascalina, personal secretary to Pope Pius XII, and Cardinal Edward Joseph Gagnon, who was, by the way, one of the great cardinals at, at the council and a good friend of John Paul II, has written a fascinating forward to a new book by LifeSite journalist Kennedy Hall about Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, the founder of the Society of St. Pius X. And let me just mention something. These guys have credibility with me. I'll tell you why. Kennedy has no dog in this fight. He didn't grow up in the Latin Mass. He's, he's a lot younger than I am. And so he's just kind of stumbled into the Latin Mass. He's a Latin Mass attendee Catholic. But, uh, it's you know, he doesn't have a dog in the fight. He's just kind of writing, like, objectively, kind of like Shia LaBeouf in his, in his, in his uh, interviews with Bishop Barron. He's just saying, hey, I stumbled across this Mass, and here's, here's what it says to me. Same with Father, Father Charles Murr. He was, uh, <clears throat> he was ordained in the New Rite, but again, as a Catholic priest that holds to orthodoxy, he just kind of stumbled into the Latin Mass as well as a Catholic priest. So none of these guys are out there like, uh, you know, grown in the Latin Mass and this is all they know. No, they all grew in the in the Vatican II Mass. and But just like myself, I mean, I've, I've kind of discovered it myself in the last couple of years. <laughs> so it says, Father Murr endorses Hull's SSPX of Defense, an attempt to defend the work of the traditionalist priestly society, and describes, here it is, and why, and why does Father Murr have credibility? Because in his early 20s, when he was ordained a priest, he worked as a secretary to Cardinal Joseph Gagnon in the Vatican. So Father Charles Murr is a, is a Vatican insider. He worked there as a young priest. And so he just writes about what he knows about, and he started connecting the dots. And he, here, are the, here are the big players. Here they are, right? It says, Father Murr describes an attempt to defend the work of the, of, 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 uh, he says, he describes how two modernist curial cardinals in Rome did everything they could to fight against Archbishop Lefebvre. And these cardinals were Cardinals Jean-Marie Marie Villot, Pope Paul VI Secretary of State, and Gabriel Marie Garon, Vatican Prefect of the Sacred Congregation of Seminaries and Universities. So Father Murr explains their influence as follows. He says, the two Frenchmen seem to personify the new order of things actual and things to come. Now remember, Father's in his early 20s, so he doesn't, again, he's not real aware of modernism and all these things. He's just a young priest happy to be a priest. So he's writing objectively here. He says, without a doubt, they were in the, the embodiment of modernist ecclesiastical power. And for the benefit of their underlings, demonstrated the correct direction in which to walk, the correct attitude to have, the correct options to hold. According to the priest, these cardinals established political correctness within the church long before the term was used. Now, mm. here's what surprised me, Paul. 
Again, mm-hmm. all these guys, the troublemakers at Vatican II, and I, I, I scratched my head. I don't know how, how this happened. Um, they all came from the Latin Mass. They didn't, they, these weren't Novus Ordo cardinals or bishops. They'd been steeped in the Roman Catechism, the Baltimore Catechism, which goes to show you that the devil never sleeps. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, let, me, it, let me comment on that, Jess. Yeah. You said that you don't know how it happened, but yet you do know how it happened because you know, ever since the French Revolution um, and ever since the Alta Vendita, uh, you know, going back to, um, you know, St. Maximilian Colby, you know that the church has been infiltrated with the specific purpose in mind in order to corrupt the church. And so whether or not the Latin mass was the only mass at the time, which it was in the Latin, rite, You know that uh, it doesn't matter that you could have, uh, listen, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. We were warned in scripture about it. And that is just one manifestation of it. How they act like a sheep, try to look like a sheep, but inside they are ravenous wolves and they had an agenda, and that agenda uh, is being felt right now. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. This is this is a long time plan. It's been a long time coming. Yep. Uh, it says Father Murr explains their influence as follows. He says the two Frenchmen, these two cardinal liberals, modernists, seem to personify the new order of things and uh, of action uh, of things actual and things to come. Without a doubt, uh, they were the embodied. Okay, I read. Yeah. Father Murr is the author of the book Murder in the 33rd Degree The Gagnon Investigation into Vatican Freemasonry. So I just want to say that Father Charles Murr is specifically uh, suited, suited to comment on all this because mm-hmm. he's an expert. He's an expert on Masonic killings in the Catholic Church. And so it, uh, it doesn't, um, uh, this is his wheelhouse. So when he writes about the fact that there was already Masons at Vatican II very early on, uh, he knows what he's talking about. Again, this is a man that's been studying Freemasonry into the Catholic Church for years and years. He writes, Father Murr writes, uh, in his recollection of events surrounding the Lefebvre case, that there were forces in the Vatican working against any peaceful and fruitful solution for the Society of St. Pius X, which fought to preserve the traditional mass and sacraments as well as the traditional teachings of the church. For example, Father Murr's close friend, Cardinal Gagnon, one of the good guys, went on an official visit to the SSPX seminary in Iconi, Switzerland in 1987 and subsequently praised its work in an official report to Pope John Paul II. Father Murr recalls that Cardinal Gagnon wrote that the seminary curriculum was, quote, among the finest philosophy and theology study programs I've ever seen. And remember, I was a seminary rector for years. The system the SSPX have deserves to be replicated in every seminary in the world. It is exemplar, close quote. We will continue talking about Father Murr and his comments on the SSPX. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. We're talking about Father Charles Murr, forward at Kennedy Hall's book, uh, and, and the title of Kennedy Hall's book is called SSPX of Defense. Uh, and he's basically just uh, talking about the infiltration here of Freemasonry into the Catholic Church, uh, even way before Vatican II, the Masons have been busy. Uh, the uh, The Freemasons are a secret society. It's incompatible with Catholicism. They are anti-Catholic. Yeah. When you get to the highest levels of Freemasonry, you have to step on a papal tiara and smash it under your feet. Uh, it is revealed when you get to the 32nd and 33rd levels of Freemasonry that the great architect that you've been praying to they tell you, by the way, he's Lucifer. So it isn't mm-hmm. revealed. It isn't revealed until you get to the thirty-second and thirty-third degree that you've been praying mm-hmm. in this prayer to the great architect. You've been praying to Lucifer yes. the whole time. Yeah, the and Illuminati, all... right? Yeah. Satan was the uh, the uh, that that ain't the Lucifer light bearer. It's all connected. And so it's not your friendly neighborhood, Jess, uh, you know, like the, like the Moose Lodge. Oh, you know, my 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 grandmother was an Eastern star or, or uh, you know, Auntie so-and-so is Job's daughter or so-and-so is a Shriner. Satan hides behind these false, you know, uh, um, it's it's like false virtue signaling almost. You yes, know? yes. Rea- yeah. It's a good mm-hmm. way to put it. False virtue signaling. Uh, yeah. And the the uh, the Freemasons, they... Uh, they completely vehemently deny that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're basically, they, they, they promote syncretism, which is, yes. which is, Hey, you know what, uh, what is, uh, what is salvation? You know, it's, it's like a big elephant, you know, we're all blind men. You put your, your hand in a part of the elephant and that, if that works for you, Hey, that's good for you. You know, it all kind of leads us to the same thing at the end. No, it doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And so again, they they vehement and they're also vehemently anti-Catholic in their constitution and their in their foundational documents. And so they are no friend of the Catholic Church. And I'm glad that that uh, Father Father Murr has has written again a, a lot of these murders that have happened. That's what his his book is called: Murder in the Thirty Third Degree. The Thirty Third Degree Masons they are told, hey, by the way, we worship Satan. And, uh, mm. and, uh, now that you're a 33rd degree and you're basically your, all your friends and your business contacts and your wife's friends and your kids' friends, uh, we're all, we're all, uh, worshiping Satan. And now that you're a 33rd degree, well, just want to let you know, that's what you've been doing when you pray the prayer to the great architect. Yep. So, <clears throat> um, F- Father Murr comments on Cardinal Gagnon's words as follows. He says, frankly... I found the Cardinal's opinion of, of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, the man himself, <clears throat> surprising. Here's what Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Gagnon said. He, Lefebvre, doesn't trust the Vatican, and who can blame him? Would you? For years, he tried to deal with Cardinals Jean-Marie Villot and Cardinal Marie Garonne. And for years, all they did was block his efforts to speak and reason directly with the Holy Father you would mistrust the Vatican too. Mm-hmm. So this is Cardinal Gagnon, one of the most respected cardinals at Vatican II and who remained Orthodox throughout this turbulent time. 
This is what he told Father Murr, his young secretary priest. Uh, this is what he what he said about Marcel Lefebvre. And he goes, I don't blame him for not trusting these guys. And he knew Cardinal Velo, yeah. Vio and Cardinal Grom. They were fellow, uh, you know, fellow cardinals with him at Vatican II. Yeah, Jess, can I interject here for a second? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jess, so, you know, people, you know, we need to realize that, you know, and remember, there are two aspects to the to the um, the Catholic Church. There's that human element, uh, and then there's the fact that it is, uh, uh, you know, that, that it is... Um, human and divine. Yes, thank you. Lost human and divine. Yeah, human, human and divine. Yeah, there's a human and divine. And so the human element you know, is subject and prone to error all the time. And so that's why sacred scripture always tells us to test the spirits and, you know, and, and to, and to uh, you know, the measuring rod we have is number one, the perennial teachings of the Catholic church. And so you know, from time to time and all throughout history, we've always had um, uh, elements of the church uh, within the church going against church teaching and it's up to the faithful to hold on to that which is true that which has been revealed to the to the one holy catholic and apostolic church i just wanted to point that out that you know just because you know somebody occupies a high position in rome doesn't mean oh okay then we just have to believe everything they say they're holy people <laughs> no that's not the case it's never been the case in 2000 years yes what did yes. our lord say to saint peter right in matthew 16 after he made him the rocky and gave him the keys he said get, get behind, behind me, me satan. satan this is yes. right after he made him the rock of the church and he gave him the keys of the kingdom of heaven at um, some point yeah, well, yeah what do we see also see at the last supper one of the hand-picked apostles judas it says in john chapter 13 verse 2 it says and satan entered into his heart what mm -hmm. come on he's a bishop he was picked yeah. by the lord no not a chat yes and yeah. satan entered in so point well taken paul yeah. so <clears throat> we go back to again father murr he's particularly he's a particular expert in this area because he knows freemasonry he says it is hope it is to be hoped that father murr's uh Frank Forward contributes to a fair assessment of the history of the SSPX and its founder, Archbishop Lefebvre. It will certainly also give readers more insight into the matter of the infiltration of the Catholic Church by modernists who have been for decades undermining the church's fuller mission and mandate. Uh, so, uh, yeah, these two men, again, these two guys are my friends and, and uh, I have nothing but respect for them. These guys are going into, they're, they're treading into deep waters where most people don't want to tread. <laughs> That that's what yeah. I'll say, and uh, and and God bless these guys for doing what they're doing. Um, yes, you, and, you know, you know, Jess. Um, there was also a recent video release, and it was called uh, uh, the name of it was, I believe, uh, "My Journey to the SSPX" by uh, Archbishop Vitus Hunder. And he was, you know, in the in, he, now the whole video is in German, but it's subtitled in English, and he tells the story how in 2015. He was sent by Cardinal Mueller to uh, uh, basically begin dialogues once again with the SSPX. And after four years, he then uh, was given permission to actually go there and live amongst them. And, and he's just blown away by the level of holiness, uh, orthodoxy, 
uh, so much so that, and he, 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 in the video, he says, I went there, you know, in order to um, communicate with Pope Francis about, you know, things that I would discover and find there. And in that video, he says, Pope Francis told him personally that uh, the SSPX is not in schism. Interesting. So for all those people out there that want to say that, um, you better, uh, you better, you know, best go to, rather than, you know, um, be a home apologist or whatever, and or, or, or canon law expert, you should go to the experts that are there and see what they're saying. And these are our spiritual fathers. Well, I think, I think Kennedy Hill probably, ha probably has all this quote in his book, I'm guessing, because he's, he's pretty, he's, he, he's, he crosses his T's and dots his eyes. So I'm sure that data is in there. So, yeah. uh, yeah. And the reason father Murr forwarded this book is because he wants to give a fair assessment to the history of the, of the SSPX and its founder. Mm -hmm. And he also wants to give the readers more insight in, into the matters of the infiltration of the Catholic church by modernists. That's his expertise, yep. father Murr, the infiltration. Yep. Uh, yep. and, and he talks about it, the, the fact that they've been for decades undermining the church's fuller mission and mandate. So in this book in the SS in SSPX to defense, Kennedy Hall talks or takes on a noble, albeit challenging task. He ventures to answer the many questions regarding Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre and the SSPX. By the way, Kennedy Hall's a, a, a writer for LifeSite News, in case you're wondering. Amazingly, there are far more inquiries on these two subjects today than ever before. Do greatly, and quite ironically, I believe, to Pope Francis, his, uh, his hostility on the traditional Latin Mass. And so a lot of people want to know, okay, so what, who are these SSPX? I think Pope Francis' position on the Latin Mass is causing more people to roll up their sleeves, say, let me read about the history of this. Now I'm, now I'm curious. Where people weren't curious before, now they are because of mm -hmm. his document, uh, a tradition, you know, the, the custodian of tradition. Mm -hmm. says, custodis. Mm -hmm. yeah, now the many questions being asked, some in the form of pointed criticism, really come down to two. What were Bishop Archbishop Lefebvre's express intentions when he founded the SSPX? And what is the actual state and, and juridical canonical standing of the SSPX? Yeah, that, that's, that's all that really matters, those two questions right there. Mm -hmm. Disinformation, by the way, is defined by its Marxist creators and developers as dissemination in the press, radio, etc., of false reports intended to mislead public opinion. The word has not become part and parcel of our own lexicon, but with its original sharp point dulled down quite a bit, disinformation is now a catch-call term for any bit of news deemed disagreeable <laughs> by those who woke amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, disinformation's curious first cousin is hate speech. It really means anything a liberal doesn't particularly like. Nonetheless... Yeah, I like that. Many mm -hmm. of us who are alive, who are alive and reasoning prior to nineteen to the 1968 Cultural Revolt, remember the first time we remember the oxymoronic sounding expression. And the first time I recall hearing the term disinformation was in a sermon by a Lithuanian priest recounting details from the 1940s show, show trial of Joseph Carl Mazenti. Another great Catholic priest who was persecuted by communists. That was in the early 1960s. Uh, he, uh, Father Murray writes, I was 11 or 12. It was at the height of the Cold War, that solid deep freeze between Western civilization 
and Soviet communism that began as World War II ended in 1945 and ended with the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991. So however brief, what is a discussion of disinformation doing in a book forward about Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre and the SSPX? Well, just everything. That's what. Hmm. Lying, or if you will, the art of disseminating a falsehood. This is the meat of the article right here, this paragraph. Mm-hmm. Or disseminating a falsehood has been the modus operandi of SSPX critics from the society's inception to this very day, as the reader of this book will soon discover for himself. Vilification of the Archbishop and his disciples was an ongoing ministry of two very prominent and powerful Vatican prelates, the 1960s and 70s, Cardinal Jean-Marie Vallot, a liberal, Secretary of Vatican State, and Gabriel Marie Garon, a liberal, Vatican Prefect of the Sacred Congregation of Seminaries and Universities. These two Frenchmen seemed to personify the new order of things, actual and things to come. We'll pick it up here. That's, this is the meat of the article. Uh, you just had bad players at Vatican II, and they wanted nothing to do with the Latin Mass. They wanted to spike it, and so apparently they did. But it's, uh, it's never gone away. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. So, Patrol Jesus 911, we're talking about Kennedy Hall's book, the, uh, the Father Charles Murr forwarded his book, and uh, Father Charles Murr has a lot to say. He's an expert on Freemasonry. But uh, here's just something historically that's kind of interesting. People will say, because I, you know, I've, I've studied sacred liturgy as well, and I know that the Latin Mass came about right around the 4th and 5th century under Pope Gregory the Great. I get that. The Mass before that, the predominant Mass was Aramaic and Greek in the Catholic Church. These are the oldest Masses in the Church. However, I will say something that is historical. There was Latin prayers being prayed at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, there was no Greek prayers. There were Latin prayers being prayed at the foot of the cross. Why do I say that? You had Roman soldiers like St. Longinus, the soldier who stuck Jesus with a spear in his side. He became called St. Longinus. He shed his Roman, uh, his Roman uh, uh, wardrobe and he became a Catholic Christian. Guess what some of these Roman soldiers were doing as they came to faith in Christ? Some of them were saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Uh, they were they were projecting prayers, these Roman soldiers, the ones that were coming to faith, they were saying these prayers in Latin. Where? At the foot of the cross, right next to the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. John the Apostle, and St. Mary Magdalene. Well, here's a, something very interesting. You know what the theology of the Mass is? The theology of the Mass is, it is Calvary made present. Okay? Amen. Calvary is made present. That's what the theology of the Catholic Mass is. And so it is interesting to see that there was no English or Spanish or French or Russian at the foot of the cross. There was Latin being prayed at the foot of the cross. I just wanted to show you how old uh, the practice of praying 
uh, Latin prayers comes to, it comes from Calvary. It doesn't come from the 4th and 5th century, from Pope Gregory the Great. It actually comes before that. Yeah, Jess, and it's a, it's a testimony uh, because a pagan empire like Rome, where Latin was their, their language, uh, had conquered literally the world, and yet just a few centuries later, uh, without violence, the church conquers it. And, and 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 now Latin being a dead language, it's you know there's no more uh, semantics involved where you know the words don't change, and so the church you know seizing onto this victory lap, so to speak, you know took that language through Saint Jerome and the Vulgate, and 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 the, and the Latin Mass was developed, Jess, and it's just uh, uh, it just speaks to the greatness of God and um, forever locked in is the remembrance of the fact that the love conquers all. Yeah, and also something important about Latin is, uh, <clears throat> so why why is it that the the Latin rite of the Catholic Church, the Western rite, why is Latin the language of sacred theology? Well, mm-hmm. and the reason it's a holy language is because there was only three languages that God the Father saw fit to be affixed to the cross of our salvation. And that is Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Mm -hmm. And so that's in John chapter 19. So the Catholic Church has said that those three languages are sacred languages forevermore because God, uh, God allowed those three languages to be affixed to the instrument of our salvation. Wasn't English, Mm. wasn't Spanish, wasn't Russian. It's Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And uh, we also know, uh, any exorcist will tell you, I've seen it myself, demons hate Latin. It causes them pain. They have an aversion to Latin. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, I can tell you uh, from people that I've talked to, I get I get phone calls. I'm probably one of the only guys in the Catholic Church. I get phone calls from people that are possessed all over the country. Uh, and that, as I'm talking to them, because they hear my sh- my shows, I do a lot of spiritual warfare shows, they call up. And I'll always ask them, so who's the exorcist? That's, and they'll tell me, I'm in this diocese, Father so-and-so. I said, oh, yeah, you know the exorcist. Yep, this guy's possessed. Every single one of them, they've told me, and I've probably talked about, I've probably talked to about 50 possessed people in my lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, personally and, and over the phone. Everyone tells me, I ask them, and this is just for my notes. I say, so when Father prays for you in English or in Spanish, how effective is it? They go, that's pretty effective. It's pretty effective. I said, when Father prays the rite of exorcism in, in, in Latin, uh, how effective is it? They say, man, Jess, you have no idea. It's like English and Spanish. It's like Father, you know, you know, shooting rounds from a 22, 22 rifle. You know, it, it hurts a little bit. It hurts the demon. It has some effect. There's some movement. But when Father goes, does the rite of exorcism in Latin, he goes, Jess, it's like a fully automatic machine gun with two twenty-three rounds penetrating the demon inside me. It is pain. So they, so possess people that know they don't know a lick of theology. They don't know a lick of theology. Fifty of them have told me in the last twenty years. Oh yeah, when Father prays for me in Latin, uh, the healing comes about a lot faster, and I feel demons actually leaving my body. So this is a metaphysical reality, Paul. This isn't just something that we're making up. This is, this is a. Which, which you would call, um, uh, you know, the, the, this, this, this is data from, from within the field, as they say. Mm-hmm. Real life, real life uh, 
uh, experience. Yeah, this isn't just theology. Yeah, this is data mm -hmm. from boots on the ground in the field. So, uh, the article says, diplomatically speaking, Vio and Garon were political, were political correctness itself long before political correctness became plebeium and vulgar. In other words, before it became common in our church. They stridently opposed their brother bishop and compatriot until their deaths. With ample assistance from Annabel Bunini, another Freemason. Well, he was a, definitely a Freemason. He was, a, he was in charge of the liturgy. He was the man that was in charge. And his latest liturgical creations to broaden the new theological, new theology horizons, Cardinal Vion and Cardinal Garon helped bring about a veritable coup, uh, the effects of which are still felt today. So, mm -hmm. so Father Murr's talking about three guys that brought, about, brought upon the coup of the Latin Mass. It was Bunini, or uh, Annabel Bunini, uh, Cardinal Vio, and, and Cardinal Garon. All I can tell you is, and I, I know other people that, uh, that have written about this, there were some bad players at Vatican II. There were some people that were completely already, uh, uh, their minds were already captured by the dark side. Well, and and they, they already had an agenda to change uh, the tradition of the church. Yeah, Jess. And this is what really gets me. A guy like Annabel Bunini, a guy who has been, uh, essentially, it has been proven that he, in fact, was a Freemason, without a doubt. Yeah. He was put in charge of developing the liturgy of the new mass. Is this my Novus? <laughs> can you can you hear me? Uh, no, I'm just I'm, being, I'm laughing. I'm, is this microphone on? Can, yeah, yeah. I, I'm being sarcastic here. I'm being uh... okay. Yeah, got you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, literally, uh, this was his job. He headed up the task. So it's no surprise when Pope Paul VI said the, the, the smoke of Satan has entered into through a crack. You know, uh, that was, I hate to say, almost an understatement because it was like the Titanic that had, you know what I mean? The water was rushing in and it was uh, 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 destined, uh, I, I hate to say it like that, um, because Annabelle Bonini, uh, who was later banished essentially to Iran, I think. Um, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And so, 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 so to be on the other side and try to say, well, you know, um, you know, no, the Latin mass gets, get rid of it. And the Novus Ordo mask is good, correct. And, and all these things, there, there are no deficiencies. Well, I'm not saying that just because you go to a Novus Ordo mass that you're not going to encounter Christ there because, um, uh, that's the beauty of, of, of Christ, you know, um, uh, you know, no one, the darkness, you know, can never overcome the light in his coming right, into the right. world as, as we read in, in John. But I am saying um, that clearly um, uh, there was a, a crack. And clearly when Jesus makes, makes a statement like when the son of man returns, will he find faith? This crack has sought to undermine the faithful and not to build it up and preserve it and strengthen it. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, what what does the devil want to do before the second coming of Christ? Uh, <clears throat> he wants a great apostasy. He mm -hmm. wants to take it. He wants to make as many people secular humanists as possible. And and how do you do it? Well, he's 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 emptied. He's gutted the Catholic churches, starting right after Vatican II, when a lot of people were saying, "Well, you know what? This doesn't look any different from a Protestant service." 
uh, we're no different from Protestants at this point. Why even come to church? Uh, you know, I, and so the goal of of the devil has been from the very beginning is the great apostasy. Yep. It, is for to get as many people to fall away from the faith as possible. Yes. And that's that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, listen, mm-hmm. here's, Look here's at society. <laughs> well, here's I'm gonna be objective here. I'm gonna be objective. Okay. And, and these are from uh, these statistics are from a liberal university, a liberal Catholic university, Georgetown University. Pre 1965, you had uh, 75% of Catholics in the U.S. going to Mass on Sunday. 75%. Most women wore dresses, veils. Most men had the Roman Missal and a suit and tie. Um, and, had, and had pretty large families, by the way. Post 1965, Right now you have 11 to 13% of Catholics going to Mass on Sunday. A lot of women uh, dress pretty immodest. uh, And a lot of men dress pretty casual. And uh, there's a lot more people. For example, when you look at even the studies, you'll find something like uh, 99% of people that attend the Latin Mass uh, believe in the teachings of the church, including the teachings on contraception. They don't contracept. Mm-hmm. And in in the Novus Ordo Mass, you get it's like forty to fifty percent of the people there believe in the teachings of the Church and don't contracept. And so you can just you can just see the the w- when you have that silence and that sacred that sacred silence that reverence when you have Holy Mother Church tongue being prayed, um, it seems to form the Catholic soul to become more pious, reverent, filial, and orthodox. That's, you know, that's just, what I've seen. That's what I've seen in 50 years. Yeah. Um, I don't know where you got your stats, Jess, but I heard that only 30% of Novus Ordo Catholics believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, that's a Gallup poll. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. The last part of this uh, article, by the way, it says, <clears throat> Father uh, Charles Murr writes, In early November 1987, I received a special delivery letter. I knew at once it was from the Vatican City as some postal worker had torn off the top right-hand corner of the envelope for a stamp collection, a common occurrence in Mexico. Foremost in Cardinal uh, Gagnon's handwriting missive was a special request for prayers. He wrote that he and Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger had met several times with the Holy Father. Topic of discussion, the precarious situation of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre and the SSPX. As a result, Pope John Paul II commissioned Cardinal Gagnon to go to Switzerland, speak with Archbishop Lefebvre, and investigate the society, especially at seminary. As Cardinal Gagnon later explained to me in New York, he arrived in Iconi, Switzerland, on November 11, 1987, and remained there until the 9th of December. Although he had failed to convince Lefebvre to accept the Holy See's proposal, that is primarily that Lefebvre consecrate only one bishop to ensure the survival of the SSPX, not four. He, Cardinal Gagnon, did not consider the mission a complete failure. 
In his official report to Pope John Paul II, he praised the SSPX and especially the St. Pius X Seminary as among the finest philosophy and theology study programs I've ever seen. And, and remember, I was a seminary rector for years. He went on, he went even further with his appraisal of the SSPX Seminary. The system they have, they have deserves to be replicated in every seminary in the world. It is exemplar, close quote. Frankly, I found the Cardinal's opinion of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, the man himself, surprising. Quote, he, Lefebvre, doesn't trust the Vatican, and who can blame him? Would you? For years, he tried to deal with the Secretary of State, Velot and Garonne, these two cardinals, and for years, all they did was block, here it is, and all they did was block his efforts to speak and reason directly with the Holy Father. That's what the left does. Uh, they'll block you from speaking to your local bishop, from the Pope, uh, you know, they'll block you from speaking to your pastor, uh, you know, the left in the parish. Uh, they, they, I've, I've seen this all my life in the Catholic. Well, oh, Jess, we've seen it on the sheriff's department when, you know, the sheriff uh, is basically shielded by, you know, his underlings that are around him that don't allow people, you know, they, they have their own ideas. And so they don't allow people to access the sheriff so that he can make informed decisions. And so this is this is not only something that happens within the church. It happens just in in general. It's a human experience. Yeah, because of our concupiscence, our fallen nature. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, once 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 you know the the top the top person, you want to keep them to yourself. You don't want to share them with others. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. It, it says here, Father Rimmer writes, you would mistrust the Vatican too. Uh, no. While I can't condone what he did, consecrating four bishops instead of one, I can understand why he did it. They, the Holy See, permitted him to consecrate a bishop, one bishop. He, Lefebvre, dies. Eventually, so does his one bishop. The Vatican then sends the SSPX a modernist replacement. And like that, and like that finger snap, it's all over. Mm. That's a good point. I think that's what Marcel Lefebvre knew. He knew that. Well, let's look at reality. Look at all the uh, uh, Fraternal Society of St. Peter people that left the SSPX. They went back to the church. And now let's look at them in light of Traditionis Custodis and what's going on there. You can quite clearly see there's been some form of betrayal. Well, they haven't. Uh, they, they still do the Latin Mass. And they still yeah, do, they the Latin, do. They do the Latin Sacraments. But, what, but 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 let's look at traditionis custodis and how what does it say oh there can nobody else can be uh you know no new priest can say the mat they're gonna let it die on the vine jess Just i know that i know that I, I know they're gonna let it die on the vine in diocesan parishes they can't mm -hmm. according to this pope they can't use it but yeah. uh but the 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 uh latin mass parishes they can still like for example, Institute of Christ the King, the FSSP. Still, yes. Yeah, yes. they yeah, because they're Latin mass orders under the Pope, so he's gonna allow but who knows what will happen in the future. You're right. Uh, something yeah. can happen yeah. where they can say I don't know, they, they he can say uh hypothetically, nobody under thirty can do the Latin Mass anymore. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and ensure that it dies in the vine. Who who knows? But it's not a good it's not a good sign. It's not a good no. sign because again this is uh this is the mass that defines the Latin rite. It says here, funny how one thing can trigger your memory of another. In 2022, Papa Bergoglio 
commenced to chip away at the remarkable influence and legal standing of Opus Dei. The 1982 personal prelature most happily agreed upon with Pope John Paul II, now under the Argentine's watchful eye, was beginning to undergo modifications. The first thing to go was the personal prelature's personal prelate. Opus Dei is now bishopless. That's what you just said right now. What's more, no longer is it under the Congregation for Bishops, but is being constantly monitored by the Congregation for the Clergy. The Argentines dictate to Opus Dei, no bishops or anything resembling Episcopal rites for you. No sooner had I learned of this when, again, I heard that inimitable French-Canadian accept whisper in my ear, quote, Lefebvre does not trust the Vatican, and who can blame him would you? So in his book, The SSPX of Defense, Kennedy Hall, he answers some of the misgivings some Catholics still have regarding Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre and the SSPX. As for me, I thought I'd had a few misgivings of my own as to how Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre and the SSPX have been treated this half century by modernist Rome and any number of closed-minded progressives. Well written, yeah, well, I got yeah. one quote. Do not marvel if the world hates you, for the world hated me before it hated you, and a slave is not greater than his master. Yeah. Now, don't worry. Don't get me wrong. This is a difficult position. This is a difficult topic, and I'll tell you why. Because Catholics, well, Catholics that have a well-formed moral conscience, like myself, have been studying theology for 40 years. Every day, I read hours of theology. Hours mm-hmm. of theology. Uh, I should have I, I should have uh, written a PhD thesis, but I just don't want to waste my time. Uh, <laughs> the point that I'm making is the, here's the Catholic conscience. The Catholic conscience is stuck between we're saying we know what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, and so I've spent my whole life defending that verse from Protestants. I've actually had official debates against Protestants, yep. full debates, thousands of people, moderator, timekeeper, two pulpits. I've had six debates against pastors that have PhDs and advanced degrees from Harvard. Uh, and so I've spent my life defending the church. But at the same time, I also see that there are bad people that have, as they say in the, in the army, they've got underneath the wire. They've come underneath the wire and they're inside the church now. And they don't have the church's best, uh, they don't have the church's uh, you know best interest in mind. And so common sense tells me that on a human level, we do have a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. And so that's why personally me, Jess Romero, I, I, I'm like, you know what? Wherever you feel that you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth within the Catholic Church, knock yourself out. People always ask me opinions. I said, I'm not a bishop. None of my business. I said, if you feel drawn to the Latin Mass, praise God. I do too, by the way. So what's my position on the Latin Mass? If you want to know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I believe this way before I read Scott Hahn said it. And I said, ah, Scott, I've been saying this for years. And Scott Hahn actually put it out on, on Twitter. I feel the exact same thing. Is a Novus Ordo Mass a valid Mass? Of course it is. It was given to us by a Pope. Of course it's valid. Mm-hmm. However, I just believe that the prayers and the way it's, the way it's offered, I just believe that the, the Latin Mass is superior. It's a superior form mm-hmm. of the Latin Rite. Is the Novus Order right? Valid? Absolutely it's valid. If it's given to us by a Pope, it's valid. I just happen to believe that the Mass that predates the Novus Ordo Mass is superior in piety, in reverence, 
and in precision of prayers. That's my that's my position. And me as a Catholic, you'll never hear me saying, don't go to this parish, don't go to that parish. It's none of my business, okay? I, I stay in my lane. I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you what to do. You, 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 mm-hmm. as the, as a catechist, as Cardinal John Henry Newman said over a hundred years ago, he said, you know, you know who's, who's the, the first vicar of Christ? And most people are going to be shocked when he said, but this is St. Cardinal John Henry Newman. The first vicar of Christ is your moral conscience. <laughs> Follow your well-formed moral conscience and lead your family to heaven. That's all I have to say. Well, well, Jess, this is exactly, you just said it right. Your well-formed moral conscience. You see, this is why in, uh, formation is so important. And, you know, and, and these infiltrators, by the way, or these hirelings, I like to say, um, they are guilty of not having a well-formed conscience. And so I don't believe that they're intentionally trying to destroy the church. I mean, I guess there's a, some that, that that may, but I believe many of them are disillusioned because of a poor formation. They actually believe that their way is the better way, the more correct way. They have they have basically been beguiled in a sense. And um, like sacred scripture says, and I always quote it, there's a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. Mm-hmm. Amen. Paul, in 30 seconds, tell me, do you think Jesus ever laughed? <laughs> yes, yes, I got, do. You got a minute. Okay, yeah. Jesus, I, I believe Jesus laughed because, number one, he had a 100% human nature as well as mm-hmm. divine. And I have yet to meet a human being that has never laughed. <laughs> Good answer. I, I, yeah. Um, yeah, because there's a debate in Catholicism. It's just, you know, it's it's neither here nor there. Some people say, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't show he ever laughed in Scripture. Yeah, well, the Bible says in John 21, 25 that not everything he said and did is, is written in Scripture. <laughs> so, yes. oh, yeah, so, but he does talk about laughing in, in, in um, Luke 6, 21. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are those who weep now, for you will laugh. And we also mm-hmm. know that the Old Testament in several passages it talks about God laughing in heaven at wicked people. It's our mouths were filled with laughter and songs of joy. Yeah. Now yes. that quote you just quoted, Jess, listen to this. Uh, it has not yet been revealed as to what we shall be, but we know this: we shall be like Him. And if Sacred mm. Scripture says we shall laugh, guess what? He'll be laughing as well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that settles that. That settles that debate on, on the on Jesus nine one one. In case you're wondering what, what our position was. Hey, that's a wrap, family. We love you. We, um, and uh, yes. we're trying to just walk with you and just trying to understand these things and get to heaven, work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Stay close to Our Lady. Pray your rosary every day. And uh, again, remember, uh, Viva Cristo Rey. Long live Christ the King. We'll, be, we'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Keep the faith. <laughs>